Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you today. As you know, I'm always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And i got to tell you, today's show is a total winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and I'm excited to pick his brain for your and my benefit as well today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs or through Powerful Works Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites or the Jason's Army Mastermind Group, you know how much I focus on digital marketing that works, right? Well, this show is going to share with us some important keystones that quite honestly, you need to hear. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information about what I consider to be really some of the missing links to many who who live in that after-school activity world, like so many of my uh, listeners do. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. We only get one ride on this merry-go-round, folks. Let's make sure it's one hell of a ride, shall we? Alrighty, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might possibly get in the way of you being able to give 100% focus to this show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our guest expert today. Rand Fishkin uses the ludicrous title, Wizard of Moz. He's founder and former CEO of Moz, a board member at presentation software startup Haiku Deck, co-author of a pair of books on SEO, and co-founder of Inbound.org. Rand, Rand's an unsafable addict of all things content, search, and social on the web, from his multiple blogs to Twitter, Google+, Facebook, LinkedIn, and a shared Instagram account. In his minuscule spare time, he likes to gallivant around the world with Geraldine and then read about it on her superbly enjoyable travel blog. Rand, it is my pleasure to welcome you to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, pleasure is mine. So, listen, before we officially get started, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure of reading your blogs, meeting you, or hearing you speak, take a second. Share your story with our listeners. What are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Rand Fishkin? <laughs> sure. Um, well, I think probably the most important thing to know about me is um, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I like starting and building things. Uh, and I like small things. So I, I was CEO of Moz for seven years from 2007 to 2014, uh, during which time we grew from, you know, no revenue to, gosh, uh, right around 30 million in uh, recurring annual revenue and about 150 people. Um, and that's when I stepped down. And I still work at Moz. Uh, that's my day to day. But um, I, I no longer have to lead the troops. I get to uh, I get to follow. And, and that's been nice for me. Uh, my passions are particularly around SEO. That's, you know, that's what I built Moz to do. Moz is an SEO software company. So, for example, if some of your listeners might work with an SEO professional, um, a consultant or an agency, uh, and many of those folks are likely Moz subscribers. 
Um, we also, you know, serve a lot of in-house folks, but usually at, at bigger organizations that have a team of marketers and those kinds of things. Uh, and our software is designed to help with, with SEO specifically. Um, but a ton of what I do is evangelism, not just for Moz, but for search marketing itself. Um, you know, my feeling is that there's a ton of people out there who need great information about how search engines work, about how they can appear in the rankings. And that information is very inaccessible. Uh, and, and I feel it's my, my privilege, my duty um, to bring that to everyone I can. I love that. I love that. And it's actually, it's so important. Uh, and the fact that you said that it is inaccessible, I would, I would agree with wholeheartedly, you know, unless you are truly digging and digging for this information and then you're not sure what the heck is right or accurate or, um, just a sales page. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to really dig in with you. So, yeah. And SEO is one of those fields where, you know, there, there's a, a tremendous amount of good information out there, but there's also some uh, misleading information. And unfortunately, um, you know, not, not too dissimilar to the world of politics, right? That there are people with incentives um, to mislead, right? And, and some of those are the search engines themselves and occasionally Google or Google's representatives will say things that, you know, folks with experience in the SEO community will sort of scratch their head and say, I don't think that's right. Or you're not telling us the whole story there. Um, and so a, a big part of my job is to try and bring data and transparency, uh, as far as I can in this field. Well, we appreciate that. So tell me this, what type of content is the most effective, you know, for, for generating leads? And, and this is, this is really important. Many of the folks who I have the opportunity to work with, um, don't necessarily see themselves as content creators, yeah. uh, which I feel is really inaccurate, but you know, in, in your estimation, because again, the content really is what helps, um, the search engines find you, correct? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, so this is, this is one of the interesting things. So local is one of those weird areas where, uh, it is absolutely true that content creation and, and great content marketing can be a path to, uh, search engine success, right? To high rankings and good traffic from search engines, all those kinds of things. However, uh, in the local space specifically, let's say we're talking about a search like, um, well, let's try, uh, I took karate when I was a, a kid. Let's see if, uh, my old dojo shows up. Um, uh, so karate school, uh, Seattle, I live in Seattle, Washington. So we'll start with that. Okay, perfect. Here we go. So <clears throat> in Seattle, when I perform this search for karate school, Seattle in, in Google, the first results that I see are a map, right? A sort of a Google map style listing. And then three, uh, what, what Google calls places or maps listings before I see, you know, Yelp, uh, you know, Yelp's list of best martial arts schools, sort of the classic 10 blue links mm -hmm. style results. And this is true for many, many local searches. Here's the interesting part. When it comes to those maps listings, the, the ones that appear very prominently, you know, on your phone or on your desktop, when you perform this search uh, below that map, those have very little to do with the content. In fact, many of the websites that will rank in there and that will perform extremely well, uh, don't actually have much or any content at all. And I'm, I would not advise someone who is looking to rank in those specific results that they need content to do well. That, those results are governed by a very different set 
um, of algorithmic principles. And that's, you know, well, we, we can dive into it if you like, but that's why I'm saying, right, sort of sometimes content is key and helps you certainly for a lot of types of rankings on maps and local specifically, uh, not always the case. So with the maps, and, and again, this is probably more um, for my interest level, but is that is that more based on local than than where the uh, the typical ten that, that follow it? Yeah. So <clears throat> so the the factors, the ranking factors that go into you know what we've historically in the SEO field called the local pack, right, or local packs. Those are uh, dictated by a few different things. One, uh, the name of the business actually helps. So in this case. Google understands that uh, martial arts and karate are related, and so they will, um, they're showing me, right, martial arts schools, as well as the Feminist Karate Union, um, which I hadn't heard of before. Maybe it is, I, I guess that is a school. Um, but the, the interesting part about uh, those is that the business name and the search query uh, can have some matchups. So for example, if, um, if I searched for uh, feminist karate, feminist karate union is definitely going to come up uh, specifically because Google will think I'm looking for that business name. Some folks have gained this a little bit by naming their business something generic to capture those searches. And that unfortunately does kind of still work uh, in Google. Another big thing in there is location. So Google has something called uh, the centroid, right? They consider that the, the what they consider the center of the location you searched for. So if I look at a neighborhood like um, Capitol Hill, Google has this, this center point geographically that they consider the center of Capitol Hill. And so if I search for something like Thai restaurant, Capitol Hill, Google is likely to bias to show me ones that are closer to that centroid versus ones that are further out. Um, and that's true for all regions. If you do that at a state level, if you do it at a city level, a county level, so location matters. Another big important one, in fact, probably one of the most important ones uh, is listing or what's called citation, uh, uh, consistency and coverage. So essentially, you know, Google has access to all these different data sources. They look at um, things like, you know, Yellow Pages and Yelp and, uh, you know, maybe TripAdvisor, uh, the local newspaper, uh, whether you're in the... Um, you know, uh, a local listing directory or a chamber of commerce listing source. And then they'll also go out to all these data aggregators, places like um, Factual and uh, Axiom and Info Group uh, and others. And then they'll also look at their own data from uh, Google Maps, right? So if you claimed your Google Maps or your Google My Business listing that shows up in Google Maps, and they look for consistency. So essentially, does your business always have the same name? Does it always have the same phone number, always has the same hours, always has the same address, um, always is in the same category. That matters, that consistency matters a ton to Google's local results. Uh, and, and again, is a big ranking factor. And, you know, there's a, this is, you know, many of your uh, listeners have probably heard of companies like um, Yext or Whitespark, um, or maybe even Moz's product, which is called Moz Local. And what those services do is essentially they go to all these listing uh, aggregators and make sure to update your information, your business information, so that you are A, listed in all those places, B, listed correctly, 
uh, and see any changes you know, that happen, you get notified or updated of. And that, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big business in the, in the local SEO world. Absolutely. No, I've seen that. All right. So that actually, so that's, that's what actually adds to that top tier little local pack. Yeah. And there's a few other things. Um, links do matter. So links from other websites to your website, uh, matter that they matter for both the local listings and the, what we call the organic results, the like 10 blue link style, uh, results. And then, um, you know, there's a, a couple of other things. Uh, Google will consider some elements of content on the page, depending on the uh, uh, keyword query. So, for example, if you are um, if you're a karate school, but you never mention, you know, the word um, children or kids or ages or something like that, uh, they might be less likely to return you in a search for, you know. Um, you know, youth karate school or something related to that. Uh, so there are some elements of the words and phrases you use on the page to tell Google what you're about as well. That makes sense. So pretty much everything counts. <laughs> but lots of things. Count. It's, the weird part is like, this is a complex algorithm. It absolutely is. But doing, doing local SEO is actually not that terribly hard. Um, it is, you know, it's a matter of having the knowledge and understanding what, what Google needs and then going through the process of sort of, you know, claiming all these listings and make sure you're up to date at all these places um, and that you have the, the consistency. And then it's a matter of doing some marketing so that people write about you on the web and so that you're listed in all the places that you might expect to be listed, um, get some links, right? It, it's a, you know, it's a process, but it's not... Um, it is not calculus, right? It's not, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I would say it's, it's accessible to anyone who puts in the time and effort to do it. Uh, but it is very frequently outsourced because that knowledge and, and the pain in the butt, <laughs> uh, process itself just requires a lot of effort. Well, doing it wrong doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, oh man. Yeah. I mean, you do it wrong and, um, things can get real bad. Uh, I'll tell you one of the, one of the worst stories, um, one of the toughest stories that, that we ever had, uh, specifically around local SEO. And I think this is, you know, this is a challenge, especially for folks who have multiple, uh, businesses or have multiple locations, right? Which as you can imagine, that might be a real pain, right? Cause then Google gets confused as to which one's being referred to and all these kinds of things. Well, this happened, um, here in Seattle to, uh, a not-for-profit, uh, organization that, that, uh, my wife and I have helped and contributed to for many years. It's called Seattle Children's Hospital. And, um, you know, for the Northwest region and even for a lot of the Western United States, um, Seattle Children's is a, a place where a lot of families with uh, very sick or terminally ill children go. And um, they had a, a big problem with Google Maps. So if you searched for, I think it was... Um, Seattle Children's Radiology, uh, Google Maps would bring back a location, a Seattle Children's location uh, that was different than the radiology department. So Children's has, you know, three or four major locations around the Seattle area. So the problem was parents were driving their kids to the wrong hospital for their radiology appointments. And as you might imagine, you know, <laughs> in some cases that is 
potentially costing kids their life. Yeah, that's and, sick. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean, that's as, as severely messed up a situation as you can encounter in the local SEO world, um, and, and certainly a, a very high priority one. So in that case, when we saw this problem, uh, I actually reached out to some contacts at Google, and well, I would say folks at Google are usually um, pretty good at not replying to anything. Uh, in this case, they were awesome. They replied right away. They fixed it right away. Um, wow. And they, I think they understood the importance. But, you know, certainly you can apply that to a much less, um, much less serious thing. Like, you know, if you are running um, an after-school program and you have three or four locations uh, and Google gets confused about which one is which and what the hours are of which one and which website to point to, that can be a real pain. And so, um, you know, claiming the listings correctly, getting that information in there, making sure it's consistent across all these different websites, uh, many of which, you know, many of these websites won't even uh, ask you. They'll, they'll scrape the content from somewhere else, right? They'll crawl a website. They'll put it into what they think is an accurate database. That could be totally wrong. Now you have to go in and update it. Uh, that sort of thing happens. And then Google will see their listing for you and think that one's wrong, you know. That kind of thing. That's that's wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is on so many levels, but this is actually really cool. And I think that you know, for those listening, I mean, you're, you're getting like this is this is a real peek at actually how this stuff works. I think a lot of folks tend to believe that um, Google is simply magic, and huh. you, know, you know, you enter something in there, and you know, hopefully, you know, the right stuff comes out, and all the people you know that are offering some sort of service, you know are offering something the right way. So this is cool. I want, I want to, I want to jump into content though, because I think that there's gotta be for at some level, right? You know, there, there is some form of content that's gotta be effective for folks though, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about, well, uh, content will help you in two big ways. Uh, one content will help you in terms of, uh, earning all of the, sort of links and citation, the attention, uh, the amplification, right, and sharing that uh, that you desperately need when you're building the reputation of your business, right? Um, so that content is not just for search engines to find, but it certainly can be helpful, right? If I search for, um, you know, something like uh, after-school programs uh, or you know, programming uh, in Seattle, it's not a maps listing that comes up, right? It's not, um, it's not a list of, of local businesses. It's going to be people like codingwithkids.com uh, who writes specifically about this, right? Or a website like parentmap.com who provides a bunch of, you know, directory information uh, around this. Or it's going to be someone like uh, the Rakes Foundation, who you know has a program here in Seattle that they've written about uh, eloquently and that provides a bunch of detail, and they have lots of links from computer science schools and resources and blogs and other websites uh, all over that point to them. And, and Google's very much ranking them not just based on on the content, but on how well the content has performed uh, and how it's been amplified and how people have linked to it. And so that is, that's absolutely crucial. Okay. Well, then selfishly speaking, you know, how, how often should, you know, owners or whoever be creating content and where do you feel like that content should go? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, the, <laughs> the answer is it depends. It depends a lot. <laughs> um, but the, the consideration set that I would put into that are a few things. One, I would think about whether this content is evergreen or whether it is temporal in nature. Uh, and what I mean by that is if the, um, you know, programming courses and the way that um, the industry is going and how parents are uh, perceiving, you know, different types of programming classes or what they're looking for for their kids uh, or what the kids themselves are looking for, if those things change, your content should change as well. Uh, so that could be something that you update annually. Uh, if your programs are changing monthly, that would be something you might update monthly. Uh, but you could certainly imagine that you might write a, um, you know, a bit beginner's guide to teaching kids to code. And that could be a resource that you might write once and put a tremendous amount of effort in. And, you know, you'd have lots of screenshots and you'd have links out to places and you'd recommend uh, different resources or, or maybe games uh, that, that kids might play uh, when they're young and different, you know, different things for different age groups. You might imagine writing that guide uh, once and updating it only every you know, year or two, uh, and not rewriting it for maybe four or five years, right? So that, that piece of content could be very evergreen versus something like a, you know, which coding classes are being offered in the Seattle area, um, or what are the hottest programming languages that people are hiring on and um, that are being taught in, in high schools, and um, how can you, you know, help your, your son or daughter uh, to advance their skills in that, and that might be something you're updating every month. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. So, where, so are, are, we, are we talking about this more as a blog post? Are we talking about this as a video? Is there a particular media from a search perspective that you know, would be more effective? Yeah. Uh, so for every different type of, um, I would say, question that you're answering or search query that you're seeking to target, uh, you are going to want to consider content format in that equation. So for example, um, you know, let's go back to the, um, the computer programming classes, right? You could certainly imagine that uh, many, many kids will be searching on YouTube for, um, you know, in fact, let's go to YouTube and we can figure out, um, learn to code in, okay, learn to code in Python. Great. So. Uh, this would be an awesome opportunity. If you had a video that performed well here, I, in fact, someone does. This is great. So the fourth result down that I see is learning to code with Python from Kids Can Code, right? And and uh, Kids Can Code has a playlist of 14 different videos. Uh, they're, you know, showing what is programming and, uh, you know, learning, uh, sorry, uh, drawing with turtles and all sorts of other stuff. If you are uh, the owner of, you know, a school and you're creating video content or you're creating content that you're going to be showing to your, um, to the kids in your program anyway, why not record some of it and put it on YouTube and do some marketing for that? You know, a, a few thousand views will probably get you ranking well for a search query like this. Um, and, and YouTube cares about a few things. You know, they care about the popularity of the video. They care about uh, the recency when it was created, they certainly care about the content and they will do, you know, an audio analysis of the text or you can upload a transcript. 
uh, to them. They care about people who link to it and embed it on their websites, of course, and so you embedding it on your own website uh, will certainly help with that. So that is a great opportunity on the video side. But it, you know, if I search for learn to code in Python uh, in Google itself, I am not seeing Google return video results there. Mm. And so I might think about, all right, what is Google actually returning to searchers here? Uh, let me try and you know, fit my content to the preferences that the search engines are showing. And, and Google um, is pretty smart. If, if people engaged very heavily with videos when this search query was performed, they would show those videos in the results. Got Since they're not, that probably means people here are looking for, you know, websites like Code Academy or, um, you know, Python.org or Code School or something like that. So, Rand, I want I want to I want to interrupt with the question that, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of folks talking about. Well, you can game the system. You can go out to Fiverr and buy a million views of your video. Uh, can you just talk about why that's a pretty horrible idea? Yeah. So, um, well, let's see. It depends on what you're doing. There are some things you can game, and there are some things you cannot game. Google, uh, as an entity, and you know they certainly own YouTube as well, they are exceptionally good at uh, detecting and removing the impact of web spam. Um, you know, ten years ago, I think we could have a reasonable conversation where you might say, "Well, Rand, there's a lot of spam that works, and you know maybe spam is an avenue that I consider." Uh, today, Google, you know, thanks to advances in uh, uh, machine learning, which they certainly use for spam detection, right? And um, the uh, tremendous amounts of data sets that they have about spam versus legitimate content, their ability to use user and usage data. So for example, let's say, let's say you did fool, fool Google, right? Maybe you fooled Google into thinking that your video uh, had a million views and nobody else had a million views. They all have like 10,000 views. So you are just killing it with this, with this learn to code video. Uh, Immediately after Google had ranked that piece of content, they would quickly see that, in fact, it was quite poor in quality, right? And people were not engaging with it to the same degree, right? They were they were clicking the back button, they were uh, not saving and sharing, they weren't taking screenshots, they weren't uh, commenting, they weren't giving a little thumbs up in YouTube uh, at the same rates that they were with other videos of its type. And so you would quickly find that Google would be able to flag this, uh, and then they would not just flag the video, but if they saw this behavior, they'd probably flag the entire account, right? So now, not just your YouTube account, but the Gmail account your YouTube account is connected to, the calendar account that that's connected to, they'd, they'd be suspicious of anything you might do, right? Any domains you own or register, um, you know, and they have patent applications that specifically go to this, where they say, hey, if we've seen spam activity from someone on one platform, uh, we can tie that person's identity to, you know, all sorts of other things and then try and discount anything that they do. So, or at least look more skeptically at it. So I would urge you not to create a terrible reputation with yourself and Google. Um, <laughs> that is, you know, you are harming f future you quite a bit by, by trying to game these systems. Um, and certainly Fiverr is, you know, the bottom of the barrel when it comes to <laughs> spam attempts. Well, I mean, again, I've heard people say, oh, you know, not to worry, you know, I'm going to get, you know, 10,000 views on my video and I'm going to get ranked and you know, a lot well, of that. I'm like, well, good, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the best way to do that, very honestly, the very best way to do that 
is to build up a, an email list of people who love what you do and love sharing what you do and email them when you launch new things, right? Then you really will get high quality, engaged people who care about what you're doing, who want to share it, uh, you know, paying attention to you and uh, providing real user uh, and usage data engaged signals uh, to Google. That makes a lot of sense. All right, I have another question for you. And I've heard this term before, but I don't know that it's really been defined well. So what is comment marketing? Sure. Uh, so comment marketing is basically the practice of saying, hey, there are lots of uh, blogs and news sites, uh, forums, um, discussion sites, uh, even social media, right? You could consider you know, commenting on Facebook posts or on um, uh, commenting on, on tweet updates uh, to be forms of comment marketing. And you're essentially saying, hey, by participating in all these communities or in the right communities for me, I can... Uh, attract the attention and hopefully the, um, you know, engagement and, and build some, some trust and likability and recognition uh, with influential folks, folks who, you know, create this content and share it on their, their blogs and websites, uh, as well as people who are reading and engaging with that content in the comments. Uh, comment marketing is something that's been spammed a ton uh, and does get a lot of spam, but it it is a huge opportunity uh, if you're not spamming. I'm sure all of us can probably recall, you know, reading a blog post, scrolling down to the bottom and seeing a comment and thinking, oh, man, that is so thoughtful. That is exactly how I feel. That That is so much better said than I could have done it. I wonder who this person is, right? And then you might click on their profile and go to their website, or you might click on their profile and follow them on Twitter or, uh, you know, subscribe to their Facebook page or um, whatever it is, right? Right. Uh, that, that is essentially the principle by which comment marketing operates. You're not commenting to leave a link to your site to try and fool Google into thinking you have lots of links. Those, those links will not carry weight anyway. Um, every comment section on the web where anyone can leave a, you know, an open link, uh, those links will be no followed, which means Google doesn't count them. Got it. Neither do any of the other search engines. Um, so your goal is not leave a link. Your goal is engage people, make them recognize you, um, build some camaraderie and uh, some trust. That makes a whole lot of sense. All right. Randy, it's time for a resource of the week. So tell me, tell me this. How can my listeners find out more about you and more about Moz? Uh, what, what's, the, what's the best place to send them? Sure. Uh, so Moz.com is our website. If you are uh, specifically looking for local information, you can go to Moz.com slash local. Um, and uh, if you would like to ask me questions or uh, follow along uh, in, the, in the deep, dark world of SEO, uh, the best place to do that for me is Twitter. I'm, I'm at Randfish. Perfect. And folks, if you are, uh, if you're streaming this off of the, the blog page, just click through directly on the, uh, on the show notes and you'll have all of that. Fabulous. All right. Rand, I always like to uh, end my podcast with one, what I consider to be a telling question. So if you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, you know, more importantly, help them live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I think my, my piece of advice would be to look for incremental improvement rather than 
overnight transformational wins. I think that a lot of times, you know, um, American society and, you know, our, our media and culture focus on these sort of big life changing events. You know, this person was working hard for all these years and then all of a sudden something big happened. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that um, that's not actually the way to have success in, in, in business or in life or in anything you're trying to improve, uh, trying to improve a relationship, um, trying to improve your um, your health. Um, incremental improvement is is really the path. And it's not uh, it's not nearly as sexy or as Hollywood, but it is uh, transformational over time. It's, it's a really powerful thing. So if you can find a way to you know, improve your website or improve your rankings or improve your content, improve your business just a tiny bit every week or every month. Uh, that incremental improvement over time can build up into something really special. That's fabulous. Rand, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, so it means the world to me that you share some of your time and a whole bunch of your wisdom. This has been fabulous. Awesome. I'm thrilled to join you, Jason. Uh, folks, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you... Have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.